Hello, welcome to a new podcast for The Lancet Neurology. I'm Gavin Cleaver, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Jeff Cohen, who's one of the authors of the new diagnostic criteria for multiple sclerosis. Dr. Cohen, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you for inviting me, Gavin. Uh, please, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, I'm a, a neurologist uh, at the Cleveland Clinic's Mellon uh, MS Center. Uh, I also chair the International Advisory Committee on Clinical Trials and MS, which is supported by the U.S. National MS Society uh, and the Ectrams Organization. Uh, and uh, the committee organized uh, uh, the panel, which readdressed the McDonald criteria. And so, on the McDonald criteria front, could you just remind our listeners how MS has been diagnosed over the past few years? Well, so we are, are still uh, impeded by the fact that there's no single diagnostic uh, test that can be used to, to make the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. So, uh, as a result, multiple sclerosis is diagnosed uh, as a uh, disease that typically begins in young adults and uh, causes uh, multiple uh, uh, symptoms that reflect uh, uh, a process in the central nervous system that evolves over time. Uh, and then with the important stipulation that there is no uh, other better uh, explanation. And so why did you decide to change things now? Well, so the, so the purpose of, of, of formal diagnostic criteria uh, is to uh, define uh, diagnostic, criteria, uh, diagnostic categories based on the certainty of diagnosis uh, and uh, to define what is meant by uh, an attack uh, or progression uh, and what is meant by uh, dissemination in space, in other words, anatomic dissemination and dissemination in time, in other words, a disease that evolves over time, uh, and uh, particularly how uh, tests such as imaging or uh, other laboratory tests can be used to fulfill those criteria. So the most recent version of the McDonald criteria, which were developed in 2010, uh, were re-examined based on uh, the emergence of, of new data uh, that uh, uh, examined the uh, utility of those criteria uh, in a diverse range of populations uh, uh, on um, uh, the ability of, of MRI and cerebral spinal fluid to assist with the diagnosis, uh, and in particular by uh, some data that uh, indicated that misdiagnosis of MS uh, remains uh, uh, an important issue, uh, and we wanted to ensure that the uh, McDonald criteria uh, were appropriately applied to avoid misdiagnosis. So it sounds like a mammoth task. So how did you come up with the new criteria? Well, so we convened a, a panel of, of uh, 30 experts, uh, which uh, comprised some uh, previous members uh, of the panel, uh, plus some new members, uh, striving to have a somewhat greater range of expertise in imaging, diagnostic tests, uh, and the diagnosis of MS in, in diverse populations. So we, re we reviewed the existing literature on the, on the diagnostic criteria and then convened it at two meetings in November uh, 2016 and uh, May of 2017, uh, and re reviewed the previous criteria, the, the new data that had emerged, uh, and then uh, held rather long discussions uh, to come to uh, a consensus on potential revisions uh, for the criteria. Uh, in particular, uh, we wanted to uh, maintain the uh, useful features of the 2010 McDonald criteria uh, to simplify them when, when we could, uh, uh, but to, uh, to, pr to preserve their, their specificity 
to avoid misdiagnosis, but also uh, to facilitate uh, making a diagnosis early in people that had a high likelihood of, of multiple sclerosis but were not currently diagno diagnosable by the 2010 criteria. Uh, we also had the requirement that any proposed revision would be supported by evidence. So in terms of what clinicians really need to know, what are the key changes in this set of criteria? The most uh, important change was uh, adding a, 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 a category for diagnosis uh, that represented uh, a person that had had a single clinically isolated syndrome uh, and uh, had documentation of dissemination in space, either clinically or by MRI, uh, but had not yet had uh, documentation of dissemination in time. So in that sort of patient, if they have demonstration of CSF-specific oligoclonal bands, the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis can be made. Uh, so although the CSF examination does not demonstrate dissemination in time per se, uh, it uh, substitutes for the requirement of demonstration of dissemination in time. So that was probably the, the major change. Uh, many of the other changes were somewhat more um, uh, straightforward. Uh, so the distinction between uh, a symptomatic and, and asymptomatic lesion is no longer required uh, to demonstrate uh, dissemination in time and space by MRI. Uh, we can now use cortical lesions in addition to juxtacortical lesions to demonstrate uh, dissemination uh, in space and time. Uh, and then we, we, uh, we largely left the criteria for primary progressive uh, MS alone. Uh, and then the final recommendation uh, was to begin the process of categorizing uh, the disease uh, course, the disease phenotype, uh, from the time that the diagnosis is made. So you said that you kept the criteria for progressive MS roughly the same. What, what else did you decide to retain from the 2010 guidelines? The MRI criteria uh, for dissemination in space uh, still includes uh, four key regions, uh, periventricular lesions, juxtacortical cortical lesions, posterior fossa, uh, infratentorial lesions, and then finally a spinal cord lesions. So that's largely unchanged. Uh, we did have actually a lot of discussion of several changes that we elected not to make. Uh, one was to add uh, optic nerve uh, as one of the sites that could be used uh, to demonstrate uh, dissemination in space and time. Uh, and although we recognize that the optic nerve is a very important uh, area of involvement in multiple sclerosis, the current data we felt did not uh, uh, justify making that change. Uh, that was identified as an, uh, an important area of research. Uh, we also discussed whether s some areas of involvement on MRI, for example, the periventricular uh, area, should require more than one lesion. Uh, in fact, some of the previous criteria had uh, required three periventricular lesions. We felt, however, that uh, going uh, back to that requirement uh, was not uh, justified by the current data, uh, particularly since it would make things more complicated. So those are really the, the main changes that we made. Uh, the, uh, we also advised that these new criteria need to be validated in a diverse range of populations. Uh, they were largely uh, developed based on data uh, from uh, European uh, and North American adult populations. So they also need to be uh, validated in uh, other geographic regions, in children, and in uh, older uh, adults.
Finally, what would you say it's most important for people to bear in mind when they're diagnosing using the new criteria? Well, so the, the important thing is, is, that, is to remember that uh, these criteria are, are primarily intended to make the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis uh, in a patient that has presented with uh, a, a classic clinically isolated syndrome. Uh, so that's a, uh, an episode that's typical of a multiple sclerosis relapse in a person not yet known to have multiple sclerosis. Uh, and the criteria are not specifically intended to distinguish MS from other disorders. Uh, so ultimately, uh, the diagnosis of MS needs to be made by someone with uh, expertise in MS uh, who can examine all of the, of the available data uh, uh, in combination uh, and to uh, uh, evaluate them rigorously. Well, Dr. Cohen, it's, uh, it's a very important update, and it's, uh, it's been a real pleasure having you with us today. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you.